Welcome to another episode of the Variety Podcast, Strictly Business, where we talk shop with some of the brightest minds working in media today. I'm Variety Co-Editor-in-Chief Andrew Wallenstein. When the People's Choice Awards returns to TV on November 11th for its 44th year, it will have a new home on the E-Network. How this award show made the move after all those years is what we'll talk about with my next guest, E-President Adam Stotsky, as well as a number of the latest developments at the Comcast-owned brands. Thanks for coming in, Adam. Thanks for having me. Brightest mind, that is, that's a, that, that's a stretch. But, it's a lot uh, to live up to. It is. So high bars. Thanks. Uh, you're going to be just fine. Um, so when I saw the headline about you getting people's choice about a year ago, I understood it to some degree. It's entertainment, people's choice, E. On the other hand, awards shows, live programming certainly has its value, but award shows are tough, tough roads sometimes. Ratings could be tough, cluttered atmosphere. What did you see in this particular franchise? Sure. Well, uh, for us, it was a, it was a bang-on opportunity for us. Um, I was sitting in my office about 16, 17 months ago, and I took a call from uh, one of our ad sales colleagues in New York who, who said to me, I just took an even stranger call from a lawyer deep inside Procter & Gamble. Do you have any interest in acquiring the People's Choice Awards? How does Procter & Gamble even come to own an awards show? Procter & Gamble actually created the People's Choice Awards 43 years ago as a media property to sell their brands. You know, they have had... Um, a long and very successful history of um, media development and production. Soap operas are called soap operas because of Procter & Gamble. Uh, they created the format to sell soap. And um, in addition to soaps and movies of the week, 40-plus years ago, they created their own award show event. They partnered with CBS and um, for the past four decades have built the franchise into a, uh, a legitimate um, reflection of what audiences and, and fans are are really excited about in the pop culture landscape. And so for us as a brand, uh, we're focused on entertaining and exciting the pop culture fan in all of us. That's our mission statement. That's, you know, emblazoned on our T-shirts and in the halls of, of E. But were you in the marketplace looking for award shows? Because when I think of E, I think red carpet. You're sure. the companion to the award show. That's true. You know, our, um, our head of communication, Sarah, Gold, uh, Sarah Goldstein, likes to say, you know, for the past two decades, we've, we've built a business off of filming people walking through a parking lot. <laughs> and, um, and that's true. That's a, that's a great um, legacy for us. Um, it's part of our brand. Um, it's part of our identity. It's a great, it's a great part of our business. Um, but we have always had these ambitions of getting into, um, into the building, um, as it were. And um, and so over the course of the past several years, we had had um, discussions about acquiring some of the smaller shows that would come up for um, uh, come up for discussion. Uh, we had talked about starting one from scratch, which feels That's like a tough a, one. feels like a very a very tough lift. And so when this call came in to me, I, I sat back and and thought, geez, boy, that that couldn't be any more perfect for us. E is a, an egalitarian brand. We're a populist brand, and I mean that with a, a small p mm -hmm. in today's political climate. Hmm. And um, you know, we are all about reflecting the current tastes and interests and 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 uh, and passions of our audience. And the People's Choice Awards for forty three years um, has I always been about that. I get it. On the other hand, award show, there's just so many of them. And People's Choice, I agree, is a brand, 
but I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say I saw it coming off sort of a peak. Sure. So what did you see in it that you thought you could take it to the next level? Yeah. Well, we saw, we saw 40 years of equity. We saw 40 years of history. Um, and we saw um, an idea, a concept, this idea of for the people, by the people that felt really decidedly E. And so um, when we sat down with the Procter & Gamble team, who had done a, just a great job, and you know their business, like all of our businesses, is changing, and so they were looking to, to exit broadcast production, um, we thought this is a, a relatively modest investment for us uh, to take a swing into um, an ownership position. Uh, whereas historically, if you think about our red carpet business, which is, you know, we do eight to ten of these red carpet events a year, uh, you know, we're more of a renter or in some cases a squatter. We sort of show up on the, yeah. red, show up on the red carpet with our, with, with our cameras and, um, and we build that into, you know, into a great story for E. This is an opportunity for us to take that experience, that exposure, um, that expertise, um, and, and really drive it all the way from the red carpet into the main award show in a, in a, in a relatively um, cost-efficient way. And so um, strategically made a lot of sense for us. Uh, live viewership is, is something that you know, many of us in the ad-supported linear TV space covet. And um, you know, even, even in the face of uh, a challenging competitive dynamic for award shows, felt like a, a smart, strategic, um, and, and really focused investment for us. But how do you spruce it up and make it your own? Because I think there's expectations when you move from, say, CBS to E, we're going to see a slightly different, better property. Hopefully, uh, we'll, be, we'll be better. It will certainly be different. Um, we've spent, uh, Jen Neal, who's our chief marketing officer and also the executive producer of our live events business, um, Wilshire Studios, which is our in-house um, unscripted producing uh, facility, have long history uh, producing our red carpet business. Um, and Den of Thieves, who's our external producing partner, um, most famous for producing the uh, MTV VMAs for the past decade or so, have spent the better part of the last year kind of stripping the franchise down to the studs, as it were, um, and reimagining it through the lens of E, um, reimagining it for um, where we think award shows are going, and, and reimagining it for a global audience. Uh, you know, this will be the first time that the franchise has been broadcast globally. Um, e distributes uh, uh, our channel to 160 countries around the world. Uh, so this will be a global broadcast. It's also going to be a, um, a multi-platform um, production for us. So not only will E broadcast it, it'll also be simulcast across USA Network, Sci-Fi Network, uh, Bravo. The roadblock, as they say. The, ro the, the, the roadblock across the entire portfolio. And so, you know, we, we spent the better part of a year just looking at the category as a whole. Um, and really trying to take the, the best of what's performed in um, the category and, and really bringing it to bear to reimagining re the people's choice for, uh, for E and for a new audience. And that's what you'll see on, on November 11th. It seems to me that what works for award shows is when, and I, I think of how MTV does this, this is, I think, analogous because they're a cable network. It's their own show that they own. It's really about concocting these viral moments, things that people are going to be talking about minutes after they occur on social media. We, is People's Choice going to maybe unbutton the top collar and get crazy? Because that's my only way of seeing viral happen. 
Yeah, I think uh, you know we'll do we'll do a lot of things that will be different, uh, certainly from the show's history and different from other award shows. I think first and foremost, um, given our two decades worth of red carpet expertise, we're going to take that experience red carpet for two hours and drive it right into the main show. So they're going to it's going to feel like a connected whole between the red carpet show, which is our legacy, um, and this new expression of the People's Choice Awards. So historically, if you think about the way um, uh, other award shows um, exist vis-a-vis their red carpet experience, they feel like two, two very separate and discrete things. This is going to feel like a connected whole. Um, and right out of the gate, we know that our main job is to connect with our audiences and to drive those, um, those, those, those moments um, that will get people talking. And so we've got a lot of things planned, um, a lot of things that I'll wait to surprise your viewers with on, uh, on November 11th, but we understand what it is we're up against and have planned accordingly. And I'm curious about the Procter & Gamble of all this. Sure. What was that acquisition process like? Were they looking for you know tough, uh, very competitive bids? Were there other people in there? Uh, we do know there were other people involved, um, some household names to your viewer, uh, to your listeners. Um, they'll remain nameless. Uh, but you know I think, I think what we proposed to, uh, to Procter & Gamble, was an environment that would, would would care and nurture this baby that they had birthed and developed and had grown into a sizable franchise across 43 years. Um, it wasn't just simply uh, the acquisition of an asset. Um, we really made a pitch to them for um, strategically why the brand and the franchise made sense at E, um, how it could be an outgrowth of our entertainment news offering and our live events offering. Um, and so I think... For them, um, it made financial sense. We put together a, uh, a financial package that 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 was um, uh, that was solid and obviously um, uh, good for them. Uh, but it was also a strategic presentation that uh, that we wanted them to understand how we were going to use what they had built. Because you know, in addition to marketing scope and and, and crest and. Uh, oil of Olay and lots of other products. This was this was one of their brands and 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 something that they cared for and nurtured um, over uh, you know over the course of decades. And so um, articulating that their baby would have a, a comfortable home at E um, was also part of the pitch in addition to the financials. And there's a lot going on at E, and we'll we'll get into that. But I'm curious what this means in terms of the brand identity of E. Does it tell us something new? Uh, you're a brand that's been, a, how long now has it been? It's 27, 28 years. And it's never, there's, there's never a time, it seems, even for networks that are a lot older, uh, you can't rest on your laurels. There's always this constant redefinition of going on. So sure. what does this addition tell us about the brand and yeah, what it is? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we're focused on three things at E. We create pop culture uh, in the form of the franchises that we built, Kardashians obviously being uh, noteworthy, some of our scripted efforts, the Royals, Arrangement, uh, Kristen Cavallari, uh, you know, new sort of runaway hit for us. We report pop culture um, in the form of E! News, and we do that multi-platform. I know you and I have spoken about that in the past. Um, and then we celebrate pop culture, and we celebrate pop culture at these sort of seminal pop culture moments throughout the year, whether it's the Oscars, the Grammys, the Golden Globes, um, what have you. And uh, the People's Choice Awards is, is really sort of 
bridging those two uh, those two strategic pillars for us of reporting pop culture, the sort of seminal moments of the year, and the and the events of of pop culture. And so, um, you know, it says to us that um, if you're interested in what's happening um, inside the pop culture landscape, E is the brand. Um, for you, you know, actually, just uh, just this week, we've um, taken a dive back into topical talk in a fairly sizable way. You know, um, Joan Rivers, as you may recall, passed away about four years ago, um, and uh, with Joan passing away, with Chelsea Handler leaving us for uh, for her her efforts elsewhere, and um, we had gotten out of the topical talk space in um, in any significant way. And um, on Monday, or pardon me, on Sunday night, we launched uh, Busy Tonight, which is hosted by Busy Phillips, uh, produced by Tina Fey, which is a four night a week topical talk show, um, really bringing Busy Phillips' um, unique perspective uh, not only on the world but on um, Los Angeles and the, the Hollywood ecosystem um, uh, at its uh, uh, at, you know in its fullest. Um, but what's really- interesting about Busy is. Sure, she's an actress, but I think more people know her nowadays from she's got a pretty robust Instagram presence. She, she does, she does. She's she's done a great job of cultivating a really authentic, unique point of view uh, through her Instagram stories, and that's really what caught us. I mean, we had been familiar; we had known Busy for quite some time. She'd show up on the red carpet with Michelle Williams, um, and you know, sure, certainly she's a she's an actor in her own regard, from Cougar Town to, to ER to uh, to Dawson's Creek. And so, um, you know, for us to have, um, you know, a real sort of working member of the Hollywood community um, who also has a real strong point of view um, on the world and um, an authentic voice that um, has done a great job of connecting with, uh, with millions of, uh, of followers via Instagram, we thought um, that, that that needs to come to, uh, come to E. So in addition to Busy Tonight, also on Sunday, we launched um, Lady Gang. Lady Gang is a, a podcast. Uh, topical um, pop culture podcast, uh, Entertainment Weekly called it the podcast of the year. It was actually nominated uh, for nice. a People's Choice Award. Um, we had nothing to do with that. That was all fan-driven. <laughs> um, and then uh, last night, we actually launched a third topical talker um, called Nightly Pop. We have a daytime strip um, uh, talk show called Daily Pop, which is uh, 9 a.m. here on the West Coast, uh, noon on the East Coast, and it's a, it's a topical um, sort of gossip show and, and Nightly Pops, the sort of um, uh, edgier version, ed- edgier sister to uh, to Daily Pops. So a fairly significant return into topical talk. And so for us, People's Choice Awards, along with with Busy Tonight, with Lady Gang, with Nightly Pop, just works to reinforce um, you know our point of view that pop culture matters and it matters significantly to our audience. And um, we want to make sure that anywhere. Um, and anytime pop culture is happening, uh, anything's happening inside that space, this this brand needs to be there. In addition to those sort of um, uh, big sort of seminal moments, which we'll capture in uh, in the People's Choice Awards this year. But talk shows are just as challenging a place to play as award shows. I think, particularly, we're talking about busy and late night. Uh, I guess there's a two part question: What makes you think late night needs another voice? And number two, you know, I think there's a special challenge, a challenge that I think E has dealt with in the past about taking a digital, I don't want to call her a digital native star, digital native-ish maybe. She might appreciate that. And (laughs) transplant that into 
TV. So how do you make these things work? Yeah. Well, look, the entire business is challenging. That's what makes it. That's what makes it interesting, and that is what really works. Uh, 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 you know, challenges us to raise our game each and every time out. Um, you know, I think we didn't really set out to get back into uh, back into late night per se. Um, we were introduced to Busy and just kind of fell in love with her. Um, we love her voice. We love her authenticity. She's so fun. She's like that friend that every girl wants to have and wants to hang out with, with a with a margarita and a, you know a pair of comfortable pants. I think she calls them. Um, mm. Actually, she's got this thing on her show. She calls it Mister Nightgown. Um, she gets into Mister Nightgown okay. to close every show uh, because she knows that our audience is sort of settling into bed for the night, and so she wants to be that sort of last uh, last moment. Um, for our uh, for our audience before they uh, before they kick off for the night, um, and so you know I think we follow the talent and we follow the um, we follow the opportunity uh, more so than we look at the competitive dynamic. Um, Busy's on at ten o'clock, um, so it's late night adjacent. We'll call it uh, maybe it's late night for some folks. Actually, late night for me uh, as a father <laughs> of two, probably late night for you as a father of one. Oh yeah. Um, so um, a little bit of a zig against the, against the pure late-night uh, zag of um, 11.30 and 12.30 um, across the rest of the linear ad-supported networks. Um, but I think it's, it's really about uh, anytime you have an opportunity to find um, and collaborate with a, a unique voice, whether it's Busy, uh, Lady Gang, uh, the, the team at Nightly Pop, you, know, you have to find a venue for it, um, uh, uh, competition be damned. And um, we feel really bullish about um, our dive back into topical talk with these these three franchises. And um, you know, we know from um, experience with Chelsea, uh, my experience at NBC with um, Seth Meyers and Jimmy Fallon, uh, these kinds of shows are marathons; they're not sprints. Um, the first shows bear very little resemblance to the tenth show or the thirtieth show. And um, you know, we've got to create an environment where. Um, a voice like Busy, um, a voice like the Lady Gang can 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 play and can really um, innovate and try some new things and um, not be worried about uh, about performance. And so we'll look at certainly we'll look at ratings performance that that is a, a key driver for us. We'll also look at engagement um, both uh, linearly um, and socially and digitally. Um, we'll look at retention, you know, week to week, episode to episode. Uh, we'll look at flow vertically, horizontally across uh, across these. So lots of metrics that we can um, evaluate our success um, through. It sounds like you're really drawing on, as you alluded, your days at NBC. Uh, when you were there, talk about what you were doing. When I first got to know you were uh, running marketing then, uh, but are what you is what you did then. Uh, was this 10, 15 years ago, applicable to today's environment? Sure. Uh, yeah, it was just about 10 years ago. So uh, I spent, uh, spent three years at NBC as the, as the president of marketing. Um, you know, during that, during that tenure, we um, had some uh, ter- terrific uh, late-night uh, successes. Um, we had some, some challenges migrating a late-night franchise in Jay Leno to, uh, to 10 o'clock, which was very disruptive. Uh, very challenging, and and to ultimately, say the least. and u- ultimately, um, uh, not something we look back on uh, all that all that fondly from a, a ratings perspective. For me, um, it was a great opportunity to learn how to how to how to deal with um, really interesting, strong talent voices like Jay Leno, 
uh, like Jimmy Fallon, um, like Conan O'Brien. You know, we launched Conan at 11:30 to take over the Tonight Show, um, and so a, a great opportunity for uh, for someone like me to uh, see a new category. I'd grown up in the cable space, sci-fi and discovery. Prior to that, had never spent any time in the broadcast ecosystem, so that was that was learning. Um, but I think most importantly, these are incredibly strong voices uh, with very, very strong um, executive producing partners behind them. And um, our job really is to create an environment within which they can, they can flourish and their voices can thrive. Um, and they can tell stories and they can connect with an audience. And I think, um, you know, creating uh, some, some, some guardrails within which that exploration, that innovation, that creativity can happen is really the job of, of the network. And that's something that, um, that I learned with uh, uh, some exposure to the folks who were running Late Night at the time. Rick Ludwin, actually, was yes. the, the head of Late Night um, at, uh, at NBC, really a, a legend in the industry. Um, and just watching the way that he dealt with talent like Conan, like Jimmy, uh, like Jay Leno uh, was, um, you know, kind of worth its weight in gold and, and just a, a great experience for me that I draw on really on a, on a daily basis um, and uh, now more than ever as we sort of dive back into it. Well, now that I've asked you this deep in the weeds TV question, I want to go in the other direction. Really the most macro question I could ask you of all, which is how much day-to-day are you thinking of E beyond just being a programmer of a linear network but of – really a multimedia brand and I actually think there are very few cable networks that could really claim to have the history as a multimedia brand e being pretty robust as a website for quite some time yeah yeah so four years ago uh, when uh, when I along with Francis Barrett came into uh, came into e we made a fairly sizable um, investment in um, in growing our digital business we had a as you mentioned, um, a, a fairly sizable website, eonline.com. Um, and its content set mirrored what we were producing on a daily basis for our e-news linear show at 7 o'clock. Uh, the, the, the content looked shockingly similar, but they were run as two separate operations. Uh, understanding that uh, news and information uh, was increasingly becoming mobile first, um, and social first in particular, especially for ease audience of young women, uh, we made the decision to collapse the two organizations into one and in some ways actually invert the focus. So for young women, um, getting their news and information, in our case, about pop culture and entertainment um, is really a, a mobile first kind of experience. And so what we produce, what we publish, as it were, to platforms like Snapchat, platforms like Instagram Stories, um, is as important, if not more so, um, in terms of engagement uh, than um, what we produce nightly to our linear uh, platform at 7 o'clock. And so, you know, when we think about the brand on a a macro level, we think about engagement and we think about total engagement. Um, On a monthly basis, E will do about about, about a billion digital engagements, and that's a, a post, a tweet, a comment, a like, a view, about a billion engagements across all of our platforms. And so when you think about that whole ecosystem in that broad way, it really kind of opens up new storytelling opportunities. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, Snapchat. Snap's a great platform that has done a terrific job of engaging millions and tens of millions of, of young people on a daily basis. We felt it was important to 
partner with them and, and really learn how to tell stories on that platform. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a great opportunity not only to to tell uh, stories on all these new platforms, but also to connect um, all these various experiences in terms of delivering value to our advertisers. And so, when we think about partnering with brands, uh, we think about not only uh, the value of a thirty second spot on our linear feed, but also how do we take their messaging. Um, or their objective or their initiative really across all these touch points that we have with our audience across all these platforms. Your parent company has a pretty sizable investment in Snap. Uh, you have a pretty sizable investment in uh, being part of Snap's uh, Snapchat Show's platform. How is that going for you? It, you are probably the single most prominent TV brand there. There's got to be some early lessons. Yeah, we were early in on, on Snapchat. Um, John Najarian, who runs our e-news business across all of its uh, all of its manifestations, uh, brought the the platform up to me. I think uh, three and a half years ago, I was not familiar with Snapchat; was not a user. Um, and he said, "You know, we we need to figure out how to how to tell an e-news story on this on this platform because they're doing an amazing job of connecting with uh, with twelve to twenty four year olds, which is a, a very elusive audience for linear television." And so, uh, very early on, we said, "Okay, let's let's figure out how to use our infrastructure, our e-news infrastructure." Of, broadcast video production distribution our news gathering organization let's create something bespoke for the platform and out of that process together with uh nick bell who i know you've spent some time with snapchat's uh, head programmer yep uh, created a show called the rundown which is e-news for snapchatters and um you know over the course of the last couple of years since its launch i think it's maybe 18 24 months old it does about three and a half million viewers and episode three times a week that's incredible audience engagement and um you know for us it just um trains us to learn a new language um tell stories in a in a vertical format um and i think most importantly um understand how to connect with with young people who may not be coming to the linear platform um as uh, as frequently as they once were hmm. well looking ahead what are some of the things that you have, whether it's on TV or Snap or anywhere that you think uh, will be big? I heard a, a certain uh, classic E franchise, for instance, will be returning to TV. The E! True Hollywood story will be returning in 2019 uh, to E! We're incredibly excited about it. Every, Why? Why? Every, every <laughs> I guess it, this is reboot culture now. It everything has culture, to of come course. back. Everything, every, every, everything had its time, and everything will have its time once again, I think, uh, I think is, is the adage. Um, you know, for us, anytime we go out and we talk to our audience, um, a, couple of, uh, a couple of franchises always crop up in, in the conversation. Um, Eat Your Hollywood Story is one of them. It was a seminal, uh, a brand definitional uh, franchise for E! Um, in its heyday, um, and that brand still um, is resonant inside um, our current and prospective audience's hearts and minds. And, you know, I think we've also seen, Netflix has done a terrific job with this, um, we've seen... Um, you know, audiences get really passionate about documentaries um, and about documentary storytelling. And so um, our aim with the True Hollywood Story is to bring a documentarian's lens to a franchise that, um, you know, had plied a little bit on the salacious, maybe a little bit on the, uh, I call it like the, you know, the overdose of the week. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and really tell those definitive Hollywood stories, those true definitive Hollywood stories in, in a unique, fresh, and, and hopefully very high-quality way. 
Well, I've always thought that this kind of storytelling that we saw from each true Hollywood story, and also I'd say VH1's Behind the Music, which how they have not rebooted that ten more times, I don't understand. Wait for it. I'm sure it's coming. I mean, these things, I think, would resonate also even on digital platforms. I mean, is there any thought to a franchise like that being more than just a show? Yeah, anytime we uh, we develop content today, we're thinking about it through a, a multi-platform lens. Um, not only because that's where audiences are consuming content, not just on linear platforms, but um, on um, actually they're no longer new and emergent, but on all these other platform platforms, be it Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, and, and the like. And so we've got to figure out how do we uh, build our principal, quote unquote, legacy business, which is still a sizable and very vibrant business. Um, but also, how do we take those franchises and those stories, just as we do with e-news, um, and tell them across platform um, in, a, in a unique and fresh way? And so, you know, our goal ultimately uh, with our stories um, is to create a deep and meaningful and rich relationship with our audience. And it's, it would be naive of us and certainly limiting for us to think solely about the linear platform as the only way to do that. And so everything that we're doing uh, back at E, Amy Intercasso Davis, who's our head of, um, head of original content, uh, she and her team are thinking about linear stories, certainly, but also thinking about how do, we, how do we take those concepts, those ideas, those characters, those stories, and utilize the rest of the E ecosystem to, uh, to build them out into their fullest. Certainly can't let an interview with the president of E go by without throwing out the K word, Kardashian. Oh, oh, that K word. You've heard of her, uh, or the family, I should say. I'm just actually kind of want a status update. I mean, I would think that this show, this franchise has been so central to E for so long, which I think may even be a bit of a double-edged sword. But do you see it as sort of primary in the E identity as ever? When we think about E and when we talk to audiences about E, there are, there are really kind of three things that, that, that crop up um, immediately, top of mind. Uh, they think live from the red carpet, uh, they think E! News, um, and they think Kardashians. And, uh, you know, that kind of instant brand clarity, um, especially given the, um, the size of the Kardashian ecosystem, um, I think is a real, we think, is a real uh, strategic benefit. Um, we've had an 11-year partnership with them that's been um, incredibly successful and a very wild ride. Um, Chris Jenner uh, says more often uh, than I do, uh, she certainly couldn't have scripted the stories that we've been able to tell together inside Keeping Up with the Kardashians. It's really kind of an amazing franchise. I happen to be the sort of current custodian. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't originate the idea. I'm just the the, the sort of current brand manager. Um, you know, they've got they've got incredible social social influence um, and social power as well as social reach. Over a billion followers across Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and Twitter, and that doesn't even count Snapchat. Kylie Jenner is really the queen of Snapchat, um, and so that is a um, an, an invaluable marketing and promotional tool for us. That. Um, the family has been incredibly uh, gracious, gracious enough to um, deploy to uh, the show's uh, the show's benefit, um, and I think more than anything, they as a family have been incredibly open um, with their uh, with their story. Um, we've seen you know hilarity, we've seen um, challenging times, divorces, births, um, uh, gender identity shifts. 
um, and and you know everything in between. And that kind of authentic storytelling, that kind of open and honest um, documentarian kind of uh, kind of story is is really rare. And so um, we're ready, willing, and able to tell that story um, as long as um, they're ready, willing, and able to be open for it. And As an executive, as the brand manager, though, in the Procter & Gamble sense of the word, how on earth do you maintain a sense of control over what seems, maybe isn't, but seems so uncontrollable? A lot of Pepto-Bismol, I wonder, for you. Certainly not for the faint of heart. <laughs> that, that, yeah. That's for sure. I think the you know the good news is um, uh, from Chris Jenner to Kim all the all the way through the entire family. Um, they've been incredibly um, collaborative partners, really across the board. Um, and when there are sensitive issues that um, that the cameras capture because they're sort of always on, you know, we have those conversations about. Um, how we want to tell these stories. Uh, they're not only uh, participants in the show, they're executive producers, and so they have a, they have a say and they have some influence. Um, but it isn't a one-way street. Um, you know, they, 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 they seek our perspective, they seek our opinion, um, and I think that um, we collectively have had a, just a, a great partnership across the um, 11-year history. And, um, you know, it's, 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 um, it's delivered. So, hmm. so far, so good. Well, I have no but doubt. But never, never dull. Sure. Well, I have no doubt they and a whole lot more are going to keep things interesting at you, for you at E for quite some time. Thanks for coming in and talking about it. Thanks for having me, Eddie. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. Mm-hmm.